Hey guys, Vicky here. So great to be with you again this Friday. Thanks for tuning in wherever you are and we hope you're finding peace um, and comfort during these on, uh, kind of changing times. This time we've been looking at the Old Testament book of Judges at Restore. And judges were leaders or deliverers of God's people who rescued them from various oppressors. We've looked at this cycle, that first of all, Israel rebels, then Israel is captured, Israel cries out, God raises up a judge, and finally, God saves. And this is what's been happening over and over and over again in Judges. But this week, that's all gone out the window because we've got no judges left. So before we get into that, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can gather tonight, Lord. Even though we're not in person, um, please help us to be encouraged and challenged by your word. Help me to speak clearly and faithfully from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, a few months ago, I was helping out at a charity event right in the middle of Sydney. I drove my car there. I parked. I had a lovely evening, no problem. But car parks in the city actually close at midnight and you actually can't get out when that happens. So I said to myself, you know, I'll allow about 20 minutes to get back to my car. No problem, should be fine. So I left the event, started my way back, but then things started to not look right. And as I came to the shopping center where I parked my car below, there was a huge gate up there. So I was like, no problem, I've got time. I'll walk around the other side and go into the car park there. But as I got to the other side, there was also another gate there and that was shut. At this point, it was 11.45 and I start freaking out. I'd been at this event wearing, I was wearing like a long skirt and heels. And so I whipped those off and I, then I started running running around this shopping center, sweating and huffing and puffing, trying to find the entrance to this car park. Eventually I couldn't find it, so I ran onto the street and started going up and down the street trying to find the entrance to this car park. After another five minutes, I finally find the spot where you drive into the car park. You're not meant to walk down there, you drive. But I decided I didn't have the time to do it, so I sprinted down the concrete driveway to the spot where I had parked my car and it was gone gone and I was so confused because I knew that was where I'd parked my car but it wasn't there had I gotten towed had something happened and then I realized I was on the wrong level so I jumped in the elevator went in the right level got into my car and drove out at 11:58 p.m friends true story now why do I tell you that because when you're looking for something in the wrong place you're not going to find it and just like I was looking for my car in all the wrong places, people today are looking for advice for how to live their lives in all the wrong places. We look to Instagrammers and YouTubers and friends and what's trending to make decisions about what's right and wrong, what we should and shouldn't do. There's even the terrible phrase of this generation, you do you, right? Live life how you want it. Define yourself as whoever or whatever you like. If you feel like something's right for you, then do that. But the problem is, everyone thinks that you should live in a slightly different way. Do you feel this? Do you feel like everyone seems to be running around looking for something to guide them or something to hold on to, but they just can't seem to find it? Well, the passage we're looking at today is all about a guy who is, who is going to make some poor decisions about how he lives his life. He's going to look to religion rather than God. He's going to look to other people rather than God. He's going to look to himself other than God for how he should live. So jump with me to Judges chapter 17. 
In Judges chapter 17, we meet a guy called Micah. Now we're not sure how old he is, but we find out from the first few verses that Micah's mum has a huge amount of money stolen. So she curses the person who takes it. But then in verse two, we find out that Micah took it and he admits that to his mum. So what does Micah's mum do? Does she ground him? Does she disown him? Does she spank him? Whatever. No, she blesses him. And then she tells Micah to get some of the money that he had stolen and to pay to make an idol or an image of God to celebrate. Except the problem is God has specifically told his people in the Ten Commandments not to do that. In verse 5, it also tells us that Micah just seemed to have a whole bunch of gods in his house, which is a huge red flag for us. God had told his people to cut down idols, to destroy anything used to worship false gods. But now Micah just has a bunch of them lying around his house. And why does he do this? Well, it tells us in verse 6, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. This line is repeated a bunch of times in the last few chapters of Judges to show us that when people do what's right in their own eyes, it first of all leads to chaos and second of all leads to God's people looking the same as the culture around them. And that's the first thing we're going to learn from this passage, that doing what's right in in your own eyes leads to God's people looking the same as the culture around them. Remember that the Israelites were God's people who he had chosen out of his love. He'd set them apart from other nations. They were meant to follow God and do life his way. But now look what's happened. God's people are worshipping a bunch of other gods, just like the Canaanites. They are making statues and idols, just like the Canaanites. They don't obey God's commands, just like the Canaanites. And we won't get into it. But things are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse over the next few chapters that God's people will commit some horrific acts of violence against weak and vulnerable people. And that's not what God wants. When everyone does what they see fit, God's people look no different to the culture around them. And I wonder if we've fallen into that same trap today. Do you say that you follow God, but your life looks no different to the culture around you? In my senior Bible study a few weeks ago, we asked them this question, that if someone in your school or family was interviewed about you, what would they say about your faith? Does it make a difference to the way you live? Maybe you're someone who follows God pretty well when you're around other Christians, but then when you're on your own, your life is completely different. I was thinking about this the other day when I was driving and I drove past one of those speed cameras on the side of the road. Now, generally, what do most people do when they're about to go past a speed camera? They slow down, right? They make sure they obey the rules for that little section. But as soon as they pass it, they speed back up. And some people may even go over the speed limit. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people follow God this way. When you're around other Christians and you think they're watching or you want to impress them, you make sure you do the right thing. But as soon as you're at home or you're out with friends, you speed up. You swear, you're greedy, you're angry, you're impatient, you gossip, all these different things. So don't be a speed camera Christian who only follows God when other people are watching. You have a real opportunity right now to show the world and live for Jesus, which means your life will look different to the culture around you. What would it look like if you trusted God and rejoiced right now when the world seems to be terrified and fearful? What would it look like if you used your free time to spend time with God, not time watching Netflix? What would it look like if you really prayed for people during this crisis? 
God's people, guys, must be different to the culture around them. So let's look at the second thing now we can learn from this passage. And number two is uh, what we can learn from this passage is that doing what's right in your own eyes leads to distorted or twisted views of God. Have you ever been to maybe a show or a carnival or Luna Park where they have those kind of distorted mirrors? Um, Or maybe that Snapchat filter where it kind of changes the shape of your face or makes it all wonky. Well, that's what's going to happen to Micah's view of God in these next few verses. It's going to become all twisted and wonky. In verses 7 to 13, Micah meets a Levite. And Levites were people who served God as priests, and they usually lived in the temple or in designated cities. But for some reason, this Levite has no home. So Micah says, come and live with me. I'll give you clothes and money and all that. And Micah makes him a priest. Except Micah has absolutely no power to do that. That's not in his authority. But he makes this really bold statement in verse 13. Have a look with me. Now I know that the Lord will prosper me because I have a Levite as my priest. Micah thinks that because of his religious activity of the priest, that God will be good to him. Micah thinks that God has to bless him because he's done these right things. Micah thinks that God has to give him this good stuff because he's serving him. And it's easy to laugh at Micah until we realize we're doing the same thing. Do you assume that God will be good to you because of what you do for him? We probably don't realize it half the time. Do you assume that God has to reward you because you go to youth group every single week or you serve at church? Or are you envious of others when things seem to go well for them, but they don't seem to have earned it? Maybe if you're in ministry, it might sound like, oh, well, I've worked hard for God, so I should be rewarded with everything I want. But these are all symptoms of the same problem, that we think if we just do enough good things, then God will reward us. That if we do the right stuff, he will do what we want him to do. And that's a twisted view of God. That's a distorted view of God. There's nothing you can do to make God any more gracious toward you. That's what we forget. But at the same time, there's nothing God won't do to be gracious toward you. God loves and is kind towards sinners as we've seen throughout Judges, as he continually saves the Israelites over and over and over again out of his grace. And God proved this in the greatest way when he gave up his very son to give us the gift of salvation. In the New Testament, Jesus was talking to some people who were acting a bit like Micah and using their good deeds to earn God's blessing. But he said to them in Mark chapter 7, These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. This is what Micah is doing, but let it not be what we do. Let's honour Jesus with our lips and our lives. Let's honour him with our heart and our hands. That's what we should be striving to do. Now in Judges chapter 18, we find out that God's people set up more and more idols. And in chapters 19 to 21, things get extremely violent because everyone was just doing what they thought was right. And it ends with the Israelites actually oppressing other Israelites. And so it's fair to ask, what is God doing in all this? And that is kind of the point. The Israelites have disregarded God and they're doing what they think is right. And that leads to pain and suffering and sin and corruption. But not all hope is lost. I want to read you the first verse of Ruth chapter 1, another Old Testament book. Shout out to Jen Wilkin, who I first learned this from. Ruth chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the days when the judges ruled. Because while the Israelites are trying to do some stuff on their own, 
God is putting together something incredible. If you know the book of Ruth, it's about how God provides for a poor widowed woman who would be the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. Somewhere during the time period of the judges, God is bringing a woman to safety. He's finding her a loving husband. He's redeeming her life so that God's plan through Jesus can continue even though God's people have lost the plot. And that's incredible news because even when God's people are committing terrible acts, God is protecting the vulnerable. Even when people are making chaos, God is bringing order. When they have no king, God is making the way for the one true king to come. Who is it? Say it at home, yell it out. Jesus. Jesus is the one true deliverer who saves people from the ultimate enemy, sin. Jesus was the one who came to earth to give up his life so that I could have mine. Jesus was a king who washed people's feet, a savior who cared about the outcast. He is the perfect king that the people of Israel needed back in Judges. And when we do life his way, you will be different. When we do life his way, our communities will be different. When we do life his way, the world will be different. Our culture's definition of what's right and wrong and what's good and bad will constantly change. But you will find stability in Jesus. If you are feeling lost and are searching for something to bank your life on, you'll find it in Jesus. If you're searching for truth, Jesus is where you will find it. If you're looking for hope and purpose and meaning and clarity, you'll find it in Jesus. And let me tell you that his way isn't easy. It's sacrificing everything for the people around you. It's loving and caring for hurting and broken people. It's telling people the truth even when it hurts or it's hard for them to hear. But oh, is it so worth it. When we live his way, not to earn his blessing, but because we love him and because our hearts genuinely seek him, then we will have a deeper joy in him that can get us through any circumstance that the world throws at us. God has shown us what is good. It's to act justly. It's to love mercy. It's to walk humbly with our God. And so just to finish up, to recap from today, when people do what's right in their own eyes, it leads to God's people looking no different from the culture around them. And it leads to some twisted thinking about God. But when we do what's right in God's eyes, it will lead to our deepest joy and the people around us will be blessed as we love them and seek for their best interest to serve them. Thanks guys.